Welcome to the DadWork Podcast. My name is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of DadWork. This is episode number 67, Intentional Co-Parenting and Step-Parenting with Jeff Fruworth. We go deep today talking about why it's important to acknowledge your faults and wrongs as a parent, being able to recognize your childhood trauma-related triggers, how to teach our children to communicate effectively when they need something rather than throwing a tantrum, setting boundaries with your kids, why it's important sometimes to take a step back and consider how you can best show up as a caring and compassionate father in the face of crisis, successful co-parenting, vulnerability and why it's okay to ask for help from others, how Jeff shows up intentionally as a stepfather, and the need to maintain the connection with your kids after a divorce. Jeff is a parent and entrepreneur living in Cheyenne, Wyoming. After going through a divorce in 2016, Jeff started down the road of healing and inner work so he could show up fully for the people he cares about most. He has one daughter, and you can find him online on Instagram at fruwirthj. That's F-R-U-H-W-I-R-T-H-J. This was such a fun conversation. Jeff is just a down-to-earth, normal guy. I don't know how else to say it. And I don't mean that in any negative connotation because he's amazing. He's very successful. And uh, I've actually crossed paths with him over the years, uh, just in my entrepreneurial circle. So it was so exciting for me when he got in touch and when I asked him if he wanted to be on the podcast, because he's like doing so much of this work that I had no idea. I see him in an entrepreneurial context. I see him as a business person. And here he is doing all this work, both as a co-parent and a step-parent. And I know so many of you guys ask me like, how do I do this? You know, I'm, I'm newly divorced or I'm going through a divorce or I'm co-parenting and I'm not sure how to do this or, or I'm a stepdad and I'm not sure how to show up. And he has this incredible mix of experience. And I was just so grateful to have him on the show because I don't have this experience and he's able to share so openly and so vulnerably and so usefully that, um, yeah, I just, I, I was so grateful and I think you'll get a lot out of this. I just want to remind you as well, it is the second week of March when this is coming out of 2022. We are launching the Village Online Training and Brotherhood Community for Dads on April 1st. We're going to be opening it up to a select group of people who are on the wait list starting at the last week of March. And if you would like to join that wait list, I would love for you to go and sign up at dad.work slash village. This is going to be our monthly online membership community where you can do your work alongside other fathers who are busy doing theirs as well. We will be having monthly calls. We will be having monthly question and answers with me. We will be having monthly workshops with experts. You will get a chance to join a member-led men's group. You can take my course, Conscious Fatherhood, as part of this community. We will be adding so much, and there will be an online forum for you to access other men in the community 24-7. So literally, anytime you have a a problem, an issue, a worry, a concern, a crisis, pull out your phone, open up your computer, and ask for help, and there will be men waiting to support you. This is what I wanted all throughout my fatherhood journey, but never knew it existed. And so this is a place for mindful, intentional fathers who want to become better men, partners, and fathers to do the work together. And I can't wait to join you in there. So we'll kick off in less than a month. And if you'd like to be on the list that hears about this launch, please join us by going to dad.work slash village. Also, if you're not ready to go so deep. If you're not ready to join yet in a monthly subscription basis, if you're not willing to make that investment in your growth, we also have at the end of this month and the end of every month, the last Friday of each month, free community call men's group meeting for dads. 
And uh, I would love for you to attend with us. We had our first one last month in February. It was phenomenal. I could not believe how amazing the meeting was. We go for 90 minutes. It's the last Friday of every month. And I would love to have you join me. So you can sign up for that. I'll send you the Zoom link automatically if you go to dad.work slash free dad.work slash free and uh, I'll send you the zoom link. It's the last Friday of this month and I hope to see you there. So that is it. Let's get into this conversation with Jeff. Jeff, thanks man for coming on. This was an incredible chat. Here we go. All right, dads, I'm here with Jeff Fruworth and I'm excited to have this conversation because this is one of those ones where I think we're just going to jam on like what it's like to be a dad in a whole bunch of different situations. Jeff has got a lot of experience in a variety of things that I have been asked about by you guys listening from co-parenting to step parenting and everything in between doing his own work as a dad, as a man. So first of all, dude, thank you for coming on. I know we've been in each other's orbits for like close to 10 years now, and this might be the longest we've ever chatted for real. So welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kurt. Appreciate it. Yeah, so I want to start with one of the things we were talking about before, which you said you intentionally parent different than the way you were raised. And I think that's amazing because first of all, it points to a general awareness that you can choose how you react and how you parent. But I wonder like, what was the impetus for that? How was your childhood and what did that mean to you growing up? And why was it important to not do the same things that were happened to you? Well, you know, I kind of want to start by saying that, you know, nothing my parents did was wrong or necessarily bad or However, you kind of want to phrase that, like they were doing the best they could with the tools they had at the time. Um, you know, I kind of looking back on it, it's easy to see like, well, you know, maybe things would have, you know, I would have rather done things differently in this situation and that situation, just kind of because how I remembered feeling at the time. And after some of these, you know, some of these instances where we were butting heads or what have you. So I kind of started digging into it and it's like, well, why, you know, why did I have a problem with what was going on there? And how can I make sure that I don't repeat those mistakes? So a few of the things that I do that I think are important in terms of intentionally parenting with my kid are first, like, I own up to when I make a mistake. Like, you know, she gets upset you know, you telling someone to calm down, I found is probably the least effective way in the world of getting someone to calm down. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of, if I feel like she's starting to spin out of control, like take a breath, take a step back, like, you know, get her kind of like back into a spot where she can think and, and think about what she's doing and, and listen to me instead of just like digging her heels in. Um, I try and do that. And then like, if, if the mistake is my fault, if I've, you know, if I've done too much or said too much or just done anything where like, I didn't help bring the situation back into like a point of calmness, like I acknowledge that it's like, Hey, you know, I'm sorry, I could have handled this better. Uh, I'll, I'll try, you know, I noticed this and you know, I'll try and, and use that as a cue for next time to not let anything, you know, that won't help de-escalate the situation happen next time. So I think that, you know, kind of acknowledging what you did wrong in the moment or like as soon as you realize it is extremely important just so that, you know, my daughter learns that like I'm not trying to be perfect all the time and 
you know, I'm not going to be perfect all the time. There's just, you know, there's just going to be times where I don't have the answer or whatever. And there's like, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. There's just, you know, that's just what it is. Like, okay, well, you don't have the answer. It's like, all right, well, we'll go and we'll get a book or we'll like go to YouTube or whatever and figure out what the best way to do this is. So I think that's one thing. And the reason that I find that one to be so important is like, if I give her the impression that like, I know what to do all the time and I'm right all the time and I have no flaws, like that could, you know, lead to her feeling ashamed when she feels like she doesn't know how to do something that she's, you know, feels like she should do. And shame is an extremely powerful kind of driver of emotion and it can either kind of make you do better or make you hide the things that you think you're doing worse. And you don't want, you don't want to kind of set up the environment to hide mistakes or hide things that you've done wrong just to make sure like, just so that they don't like start doing that with other things down the road, I guess. Like that's probably, you know, the biggest one is like acknowledging where I mess up and then kind of like telling her why. And then, you know, if in those same instances, if I do find like, if, if I need to kind of correct her behavior or otherwise tell her what's going on, I'm kind of like, Hey, you know, make sure to use like, calm even keel voice don't shout you know hey we're just having a conversation you know when you when i had to ask you 15 times to go put your plate in the dishwasher like it's super frustrating for me uh i get that you were busy doing something else and next time will you please like say hey you know let me finish what i'm doing and then i'll go do it instead of just ignoring me because that's frustrating as well so those are kind of the two, I think the two biggest ones in terms of me like doing, you know, the whole parenting thing with intention. Mm, yeah, those are so, so good, man. And like those as a fundamental layer to how you parent, I think that like anyone could drastically Im increase the quality of their sort of parenthood journey just by doing those couple of things. And a question that came up was like, when you say your parents did the best they can, that's so important to acknowledge. And there's still something in there for you to have dug through and been like, okay, I don't like the way I remember feeling at this time. That's what I heard you say is like, I remember how I felt while this was happening. And I didn't really like that. And so this is sort of an interesting opening for guys out there to sort of feel into, even if your parents were great and you had a great childhood, there were probably, no, there were definitely perceptions of trauma or wounding or not having your needs met. And so like, how have you even noticed what those things were? Because even feel, even hearing like you felt a way that you didn't like as a kid, do you like meditate? Do you have a mindfulness practice? Or was it just like when your uh, child was born, you started thinking about these things again? What did that sort of awareness cycle look like? Because I feel like that's not as common as I wish it was. For sure. Um, I think all of those things you touched on, I've done it times and various things. Like right now, um, I meditate for 10 minutes every morning. I, I wouldn't say that I'm as good as I 
wish I was, but I journal almost every day and have since late 2015 or mid 2015. So getting into the six, seven year mark with that. And I think it's not like I just sat down one day and was like, oh yeah, you know, this, you know, this thing happened when I was a little kid and I'm thinking about it and I didn't like how I felt. It's like, you can kind of, as you start connecting back to yourself, you know, via your journal or, you know, meditation or whatever, you find yourself in similar scenarios as an adult as you did when you were a kid. And you can, you know, oh, I reacted this way because, you know, when I was a kid, this happened and I didn't like it. And now I've got to, you know, now I'm defensive about it or, or whatever the thing is. So a lot of those things kind of come up in my journal, but not necessarily like from me as a kid. It's more of like, oh, this thing is really similar to something that happened to me when I was like 14 or whatever. And, you know, then you can kind of work through it and think about how it went, why and what you didn't like about it. And it's, you know, it's nice that I can do that now as as these things come up as an adult, because at this point I have, you know, tools and um, like I have you know, the words to place on my feelings where I may not have then or whatever, you know, I can say, oh, like this was, you know, instead of I, you know, going through like the general range of six emotions or whatever they are um, and attributing everything bad that happened to me as a teenager is something that made me angry. It's like, well, you know, I was hurt and not angry or, you know, I was upset or I was frustrated instead of taking all those things like I did as a teenager and lumping them under anger, because that's pretty much the only way it's okay for men to show emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. And it sounds like you're already trying to give your daughter the tools to do this potentially earlier. Like when you were saying, this makes me feel frustrated when you don't put your plate in the dishwasher. Now she's going to know frustration, not just straight up anger. Right. It's like, there's a different feeling to that. And so has that been part of this as well? Like you're doing your work and then passing it on in tools, not necessarily specifics to your, to your daughter as you parent. Oh, absolutely. Like I, I don't want her to, you know, again, think that the only way that she's going to be able to advocate for herself is through anger. Right. So I, I'm trying to teach her to ask for what she wants. And instead of just throwing a fit for lack of a better term until she gets what she wants. I don't, I don't, it's like, I don't want you to sit here and stomp your feet and go slam doors around the house until we do whatever you want. You need to understand you can ask me for whatever you want, but I also get to reserve the right to say, no, you're not doing that. And, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't love you. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you're a bad kid for asking that. Like, it just means that now's not the time for that, or that's not happening at all. Like, you know, it's usually one of those two things. And I try and like, if it's something reasonable, you know, if she wants to go to the park or whatever, it's like, all right, well, we can't do that right this instant. But, you know, maybe like in an hour or after lunch. Right. And that's uh, 
there's like boundaries there for yourself too, which is something that I've tried to put in because um, I think I almost err on the side of too harsh boundaries because it's like, well, I don't really want to do that right now. Uh, so I'm just going to say no, rather than sort of going with the flow a little bit more. But how do you think about boundaries as a dad? Because it's like, you have to make sure that you're saying no, like you say, which it sounds like you're doing a very healthy job with. And like, you got to let the kids in sometimes too. So have you sort of thought about boundaries and how you can get your own needs met as a father uh, in this instance when like you do have to say no sometimes? Yeah. And like you said, it's kind of challenging. You know, you have to you have to know kind of when to say no and, you know, be the adult in the room and not let not not turn your life into, you know, the movie Yes Day. I don't know if you've ever seen that where parents say yes to whatever the kids want and they, you know. It's, it's, you know, Twinkies with chocolate syrup for breakfast and, you know, they kind of just let the, the kids run wild. It's your kids might like it if they're like 10 or whatever. Um, so you, you need to kind of like say, hey, you know, we're not like we're not doing this. Like somebody has to be the adult in the room at some point. And it's OK for you to say, no, we're not going to do that. Or, you know, I know that you want to do this, but now it's not the time. And just kind of setting those up. It's like, look, you know, some like you can't always get what you want. And one of the things that I'm trying to teach my daughter is like, you're not always going to get what you want when you ask for it. And I also know that if you don't ask for it, you will never get it. So like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach her like to like ask because there, you know, there are some kids that I've met that are eight who are just like, you know, they'll, they'll tell you exactly what's on their mind and, you know, they'll ask for whatever they want that whole nine. And my daughter is not quite there yet. So sometimes trying to figure out what she wants to do is a little bit like pulling teeth. So you gotta, you gotta kind of her the space to like, come, you know, come and talk to you in that way. And I also like want her to practice because it's not, if you don't advocate for yourself, like she's going to get to the point where she's an adult and, you know, just expect somebody to meet her needs whatever those may be. And I don't necessarily want to take it that far. I just don't want her to, you know, grow up expecting someone to meet her needs when it, like he's basically expecting them to read her mind and then do whatever she's thinking. That's not how the world works. And I want her, you know, to be very clear. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think that's uh, something that a lot of us can learn as adults, even uh, like it took me forever to get to the point where I was like, Oh, I can like state my need and not expect it to be met. Cause first of all, I learned like, oh, I need to state my needs. And then like some of them will be met. That's sweet. And then sometimes like they wouldn't be met. And I'd be like a little bit resentful. Like, hey, I, I said what I wanted. Can you just give it to me? And that was a very sort of immature form of it. And it took me a long time of being like, oh, I can actually honor myself by saying, here's what I need. And then let go and surrender to whatever happens, knowing that maybe it maybe actually knowing that it's like not about me, whether I get it met or not, I have a responsibility to meet some of those needs. But when I'm rejected, for example, it's not me, it's that the other person has boundaries. And so any conversation about this with our kids from a young age, like you're doing, and like I'm trying to do is so important because I get the same sort of thing with my kids. It's like, I get asked a trillion questions. Can I have this? Can I do this? And it's like, sometimes it's overwhelming. Like, dude, just do something. 
but it's like, man, they really know what they want and they're okay asking for it. So that's such a great point. And the thing that's coming up for me now is like, you sound very practical and very pragmatic in all this. And I wonder what your relationship with love is and how accessible love is in your parenting journey. For us, for me, I was extremely practical for the longest time and I felt a huge block to just like straight up open-hearted love. And that was my work. But I've been thinking about this recently on like the the portal to love that fatherhood can open. And I wonder if you've ever like thought about that or if you've done any work to be openly loving or if that's just come naturally for you. That's that's a tricky one. I think like in my own journey, in my own experience, like it's it's at times it's easy for me and in other instances it's not the easiest thing. Like I think if, you know, speaking specifically to my daughter, right, she hasn't to this point in her life, like done anything to like, that I was like significantly hurt by, right? You know, she's, she's eight. It's, it's going to happen probably at some point. And I suppose like given her age, it's probably going to happen sooner than I would bet it will. And, and I think it's easier to be like openly loving when you're not like when the person that you are openly loving with hasn't done anything or said anything that says like really hurt in, you know, in the relationship with my daughter, I think it's really easy to be expressive like that and openly loving. I think that in like some of my adult relationships, that wasn't always easy because you know there's you know if this person has has hurt me in some way and i haven't quite made peace with it or i was holding on to a fear of rejection or like even you know my own shame around some things would be blocking me from you know being as open and as loving as i would like like to be and like how i want to show up in the world and that's, you know, that really is challenging. Like you can, you can kind of stand there, right? And I, you know, at, at times like it can be like you're standing out there in a pair of shorts and short sleeves in the winter and, you know, the snow is just blowing and you're sitting there like, well, this is me like doing my best to be open and loving and completely exposed and, you know, just freezing my butt off out here, you know, waiting and hoping that the sun is going to come out. So, so it, like, I mean, it can be, it can be a challenge, especially, you know, in adult relationships where, you know, there are all these other things tied up, you know, with it, both within you and within whoever, like this relationship is with, be it a parent or a friend or, or an intimate partner or whatever. And, you know, it, it's kind of the way that kind of I look at it and try and bring myself back to it every day is like, all right, like, how do I want to show up? Right. And if you, if you know that, you know, then you can kind of ask yourself a series of questions. Like, well, if I, you know, if I wanted to show up as a kind, loving person, how would I respond to this situation? So you can kind of um, take that into account. I heard, you know, I heard uh, this guy, Johnny, uh, Alasser, I think his last name is, he does the art of masculinity podcast. I met him when I was in Austin and he, you know, told 
told us a little bit about his time as an army ranger and they do this thing called a tactical pause where they'd like be in the middle of of some operation and they'd pause for like five or six seconds and like check all their shit and make sure that everything was okay and he turned that around for us and into like you can do that in a conversation you know when you're with a loved one you can if things are starting to get heated, you can take like a tactical pause and then ask yourself some questions. Like, are things going the way, is this conversation going the way I want to? Are, am I listening? Am I, am I communicating clearly and kindly? You know, so you can, you can kind of add all those things in and that will help you to show up in the world as you kind of tell yourself, tell yourself you want to in your best moments. Mm, that is so good, man. I love that sort of prompt or phrase. Like if I wanted to show up as a kind, loving, compassionate, whatever, how would I act? And then just like doing that and almost like faking it till you make it. Except the point is when you want to act like that, it's not faking it. It's just like putting intention behind it. And like, that is genuinely who you are. And I love the idea of pausing as well. That's something that took me a while because I thought for the longest time, if I was like speaking to either a group or an individual, it would have to be like, oh, if I pause, I'm going to look like I'm fucking up or I don't know what I'm doing now and they're going to judge me. And that was a lot of my own issues and fear of being rejected and ostracized and like my perfectionism and my nice guy syndrome. But pausing and like checking in with your body and being like, you know what, I'm just going to take a break here because this isn't the way that I envisioned it. Or let me rephrase that. And just taking a pause like that, just, I don't know, man, like I feel like I've been given, or I hope the guys feel like they've been given this uh, acceptance and allowance to do that. Cause like, that's the, I don't know, that's such a, like, a mature way to communicate rather than just bungling through and being like, Oh no, I didn't really mean that dude. And then trying to like repair after right. it makes way more sense to just pause, fix it instead of like making more and more of a, you know, idiot out of yourself in this situation. Hmm. I love that, dude. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I like, I absolutely, and even sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm better at it now than I used to be when I started thinking this way, but I've also just kind of told people in the middle of a conversation, it's like, Hey, you know, let me, let me figure out how to phrase this or, you know, how do I want to word this or, or whatever, because you don't, want to be and I, I usually do this in conversations where emotions are running high you know you don't want to be unintentionally flippant or unintentionally hurtful just because you're you know you're used to speaking one way and this conversation is not going to take those words you know maybe in context or as you meant them they're you know they're going to focus on the wrong part of the thing you said so pause take a step back and it's it's okay to do that in the middle of a conversation say something like hey you know i need to let me try and find the words for this so you can piece it together in a way that is you know respectful of the person that you're talking to and not going to be harmful or hurtful, however you yeah. And that's a um, quick tip as well. You can do this in parenting. <laughs> you know, like I have so often caught myself in reaction rather than response and been like, actually guys, 
I'm just feeling really angry right now. And my instinct is to want to do something that's like punishing rather than consequence and boundary related. And I actually don't feel that way. So let me just back up here. And I'm sorry, again, like you said, apologizing. And then moving from there, like extending to them the idea that Yes, I screwed up. Yes, it was a reaction. And now I'm ready to go from like a heart-centered place. So I love doing that with kids as well because it, man, it's, it stops you from digging in and going further and further. Like, well, I said that. And now you've got like this weird punishment that makes no sense. But you feel like a little bit better because your anger's like dealt with. And it doesn't actually make sense. So I think pausing in all situations is a great skill. And I want to make sure we get to <clears throat> some specifics in your parenting journey that I get asked a lot. This is specifically related to co-parenting, divorce, and everything comes up with that. And so I wonder if you could walk us through like generally your ideas of co-parenting, like how do you set it up? How do you deal with conflict? Um, Is there energy that comes up when you have to communicate with your ex-wife? Like what does that look like for you? And is it working? Um, It's it's a really, really kind of tricky situation obviously for whoever is involved and you don't you don't want to kind of like you know if you're co-parenting obviously you you know you and and the other party like didn't work out or or what have you so there could i mean you kind of to start co-parenting well you kind of have to let go of the entire relationship or however your child came into this world and kind of just forget not necessarily forget, but don't get yourself too tied up in situations that you felt like hurt or your needs weren't being met in that relationship because they're not going to help. You kind of have to approach it from the place of like, okay, how do we make this best for our kid? And how, how can we best communicate that to her? And how can we best communicate with each other? So you kind of have to start from that place. You need to, you know, you just basically need to kind of wipe the slate clean and say like, all right, well, all of this other stuff, it happened. And, you know, I heard when I was in Austin, they used the phrase, you know, and so it is. So, he, you know, your relationship failed. And so it is like nothing, nothing else needs to really be said. There doesn't need to be any explanations you just need to kind of start from there and, you know, assume operate with the assumption that both you and your co-parent are wanting the best for your kid or kids and move on from there and also understand and accept that those two things are always going to be true and may not always be in alignment. So you could have differences of opinion on multiple things that doesn't make you right and them wrong. That just is what it is in terms of communication. I found that it's easiest to keep everything in writing just so, you know, everybody knows like it's easier to go back and know like, Oh, you know, we, we talked a week and a half ago about, you know, switching pickup from school or whatever you know, I forgot to put it in my calendar and then it, you know, I remembered and I, instead of asking again, I can just search through our chat history and find and say, Oh yeah, I did agree to that. Or, you know, we agreed to switch weekends on this day. I think like that, that has definitely helped. 
And it just makes it so that like everything is, is kind of clear and concise and written down and easy to find and easy to like ask because it's really easy to, you know, forget, you know, we, we've all got our own lives and our own kids and we're all trying to do the best we can and, you know, fill our time when our kids aren't here with stuff that we like to do. So communication is definitely key. And then one of the other things someone told me a while ago was like, write it in a way that if you went back and read it later, or if someone else went back and read it, that they wouldn't be like, wow, you're like, you're saying these things and you're talking to that person this way. Like it's, you know, again, it's okay to disagree on matters of, of principle or what have you. It's not okay to, you know, name call and, you know, do, do whatever while you're having a disagreement, right? You can, I mean, you can disagree with anyone on anything for whatever reason and that's okay, but you don't need to, you know, start personally insulting them or what have you. Get that? Yeah, imagine. Yeah, I, I can only imagine the extra drama and just issues that would bring up when the point in the relationship from this point on, as you say, um, you know, like everything that happened has happened. And now the point is, how do you raise this child together in the best way possible? And bringing in all of the wounding doesn't sound like a very productive way to do it. And the question that I have is like, where did you go to get support during this? Because like, I can only imagine there must be a lot of emotion and energy around that. And so how do you personally, like, how did you get support to move beyond that to show up in a way that was respectful and mature and getting your needs met elsewhere so that this, I don't know, resentment or whatever didn't bleed into the relationship as a co-parent? I think at first, you know, like, I, I don't know how many people this is true for, but I expect a number to be non-zero. Like at first I just kind of drank a lot and worked a lot. And as, you know, as that was happening, I, that could, you know, I, I could kind of, you know, go home and after work and, and drink, you know, a half or a whole bottle of wine, depending on exactly what was going on at night and then like start writing in my journal. So that was kind of a way, you know, alcohol wasn't the healthiest thing for my body However, it was, you know, good in a way that it allowed me to kind of like be actually really honest with myself and like, oh, you know, like this, this happened. It's like, well, you're, you're not allowed to just blame the other person for everything because that's not going to help you grow. It's like, okay, you know, you had a hand in this. If we're being really honest with ourselves, like, what was this about? How did it work? Um, early on, you know, it was just like, I didn't really talk about it a lot as, you know, as I was going through divorce and, and, you know, the custody agreement was getting worked out and all that. Like, I didn't really talk about it a lot. I was super embarrassed about it. I was ashamed, you know, and I didn't, I, I don't know, I guess I just didn't want to be like that vulnerable with people because it was something that really affected me at the time. And, you know, it's, it is what it is now. And I, I know that, but at the time I was going through it, like it was seemed fairly significant to me. So there was, there was that. And, you know, that was kind of the kickoff to more journaling and it kind of like gotten into a, you know, the beginning stages of what I guess I would 
considered to be like my development as a man and a human being like all right you know i read mark mason's book models which is like super old at this point i think i read it in 2015 or 2016 but the genuine points that i took away from the book were like wow you know it's it's okay to be vulnerable with people and usually when you are that that brings you closer to that person instead of further apart which is like I, I got into, you know, so I figured once I kind of figured that out, I started like testing it in active situations. It's like, okay, well, you know, I, and I can, at this point, like in conversations, like I can tell it's like, all right, you know, I have the instinct to do this. So what that means is I should probably do the opposite of what my instinct, because I, I know that my instincts like tend towards like, I don't know, self-protection or self-preservation or whatever you want to call it and not vulnerability. So I've gotten to the point where I like know where I need to hijack my own instincts and take a step back and like, you know, all right, I, you know, I'm going to do my best at, at saying this in a good way, but here, you know, here it goes. And it's, that just takes like that kind of vulnerability and stuff takes practice and that will kind of help you work, you know, as, as you continue doing that, you'll, you know, you'll get, typically positive feedback from people and you know that will help you work through some of the issues you know like you can give yourself the support you need and then you know you can also ask for help from friends or just like even just talking about it makes it easier you don't have to carry the load by yourself Mm, man absolutely that is true and uh in one of my I do like a solo Friday reflections podcast. And I think a few weeks ago, by the time this will come out, I was talking about my own journey and finding support and showing up vulnerably. And like, I'm really good at showing up vulnerably. And in my men's group circle, I was not showing up as vulnerably as I needed to be. And so when I changed that and shared what I was feeling, why I didn't feel able to come to them for support, it like everyone is like immediately closer to me and I got the support I was looking for. And guys were like, man, if you just shared this more, then like I would feel like there's something to connect to. And for me personally, the veneer comes across as like, oh, this guy's got it all figured out. What is there for me to like help him with as a friend? Cause he's got it all already. And it took me being like, actually I do have problems and here's what I'm feeling for guys to be like, oh dude, let me support you. And so I love every single call that I can get for guys listening to open up and show up and be vulnerable and like set the boundaries you need to stay safe, obviously, but join a men's group or something like that where you can go deep. And I just want to finish this particular segment by asking if there's any other tools or resources that you have found along the way to help with co-parenting, divorce, anything like that, uh, that you didn't mention already. Um, I, I think the the three that kind of helped me the best were one, like journaling, like that was huge for me. I've kept a journal for almost seven years. I still, I still have most of them. I'm not the type of person that goes back and reads them typically. I know some people do. Um, I don't, I, I meditate every morning for about 10 or 15 minutes. That has really helped. And then I didn't mention this when we were chatting earlier, but I go to the gym six days a week. And that has really helped. And I think one of the reasons for that is like, for me, if I feel like I'm getting physically stronger, then it's easier for me to like think of myself as getting mentally stronger as well, as long as I'm doing the work, right? 
like going and doing like 20 deadlifts in the gym isn't going to help me get mentally stronger, but it's going to help me with my overall perception of myself as a strong person. And part of that is like, okay, well, you need to shore up this, you know, this emotional stuff or, you know, the mental side of things. That's such a good tip. And just like the physiological benefits of being in the gym, man, like I get a boost every single time. And if you're not going to the gym or you're not moving, like that is a fundamental part of self-care and mental health is physically moving. So that I'm glad you mentioned that. And you're looking pretty buff right now, by the way. So it seems like it's working. (laughs) The, um, The next thing I want to touch on is your experience as um, I don't know if it's necessarily we call it a stepfather, but like the the stepfather role you have played. And I'd love to chat about that because what you were saying is um, before we started recording, one of the things you learned was like how easy it is to start treating kids when you come into a relationship. And this could apply to your own as well, as though they're just like fully formed adults with less experience. And, you know, the, I don't know if you want to tell the story or like anything else that comes up for you as your experience as a sort of a stepdad. Um, but like the seeing how they're actually just little kids, like where, where do you want to go from there? What, what feels real for you about the stepdad and the relationship that you guys had and, um, just things you learned along the way? I mean, like one of the, you know, one of the things I wanted to start with is like, it was a really, you know, it was a really cool thing I thought. And for the, the people who are listening now who weren't on, we were chatting about this before, but like that relationship ended up not working out for other reasons. But like I got to hang out with some really cool kids and do some really like fun stuff and watch them learn and grow and develop and kind of do all these things. And it was really kind of interesting watching from a place of like attachment and love and care and not necessarily I guess results driven it might be the best way to put that. Like I could watch and, and have a lot of fun with them and watch them kind of grow and develop and be who they were. And you know, they were generally good kids and I wouldn't have to do, you know, the, the part of parenting that's not so fun, which is like boundaries and consequences and behavior correction, because generally they were you know on their best you know they were they were on their best behavior with me because we had a a super respectful relationship that way and it was it was a really it was a really fun time and you know you could kind of see them as you know they were 10 12 14 whatever you could kind of see them you know starting to advocate for themselves you know act like adults and become their own person like as adults and then you know they were also like fairly tall kids so they like they looked like little adults and it was just you know there there were some days where it's like man like why like we're we're out of ramen or, or you know whatever is going on you know it's like somebody took the last bagel and and now you're you're this upset about it and sometimes it was hard to kind of marry those two ideas and one of the ways that really hit home for me was we were heading back um, and at an airport and I, you know, there's like six of us. Right. And I turn around and I look at one of the kids and she's sitting there holding like a stuffed, a stuffed sea turtle. That's also like a pillow. 
and walking through an airport, very wide-eyed and like kind of looking lost. It's like, you know what? Like, even though there's a lot of expectations placed on you to like act like an adult and you know not you know not scream and yell and and slam doors and do some of those other things that we all try and you know get away from as we get older like you're still just a little kid and you still are doing your best at figuring it all out and there you know there's going to be times there's going to be like wow you know you're like you're an actually fully formed adult but it's other times like that moment where it's like wow like you were still just uh you know a nervous or you know afraid not necessarily i don't want to put all these emotions in that situation but like you're you know you're still a little kid who needs you know love and supportive guidance from you know parents and other adults in your life and that was kind of a big realization for me it's like wow like you can't you have to kind of expect and you know be ready for that kind of polarity of of their experience like the times they want to really be, you know, a big adult and, you know, the other times where they, like, they, there are, they are still little kids and, you know, you take them to the beach and they're in their full, you know, they're in their clothes and they just sprint out into the ocean anyway without, you know, without even thinking about like, oh, I'm going to change the clothes in the car and now I'm away. You know, you have to kind yeah. of <laughs> be, be ready for both of the, like, both of the ends of, of the spectrum there with kids, which is part of the fun part. Yeah, man, this, it reminds me of like, we get pictures printed as often as possible. I love having physical photos around and I will look back at my oldest and be like, oh man, I wish he was still that small. Cause like I would do such a better job now and I could like really see how small and sweet he was. And then like, I'll get to the present day and you know, I will be two years later and I'll look back at the pictures of myself thinking, I wish he was small, realizing that like I missed when he was a little bit bigger, but still small. And now he's like nine and I'm going like, oh, I wish he was still like five or six. Just look at how small and sweet he was. And it's like every couple of years, I almost like miss it as it's happening. And I see him still as like, oh, look at how old he is. He's the oldest kid. He's the biggest. He's got all these like new mature traits. And in my head, I go like, okay, well, like what does he need me to be like nice and soft with him and gentle? And then every time I see the picture, I'm like, oh, I did it again. Right. Like years go by where it's like, oh, I just need to see him as the small kid that he is. And so that's been really helpful. And like, I'm, I'm almost ahead of the game, but I feel like it's just like always punting a year out and a year out and a year out. So I love hearing that realization from you to just remind me like, oh, dude, they're just little kids, no matter how big and how like, I don't know, ragey sometimes they can get and no matter how like well-spoken he is. He just like when they're sleeping, go look at your kids when they're sleeping and tell me that they're adults, man. Like you'll never think that, right? That's so, these are such important points to like, just get in the day-to-day dad life. So you're not just like, I don't know, a slave driver in many senses, because that's what I feel I can get. So thank you for sharing that, by the way, because that really touched me when you said that before um, we were recording. Are there any other things in your experience as stepdad in this role that were important to you to share for men uh, who are maybe entering this? Because I see step parents who are like actively showing up. That's the man you don't have to be. And yet stepping into that role can be beautiful and life-changing for the kids. 
Um, so like, how did you navigate that maybe? And how did you stay grounded with your own parenting? Like what else came up for you in this role? Um, I mean, it was, it wasn't that challenging to step into, I don't think. Uh, it was, it was really enjoyable and just kind of like, you know, these, you know, this is fun. You know, I, I enjoy doing all this stuff. Like I get to, you know, I get to learn about what they're doing and, you know, hear all the stories and all of those kind of things. So I had a, I had a good job, like a good time doing all that. And like you said, you know, it's, it's not, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's unexpected, but it's like, at this point, I, I feel like it would be fairly common for someone to find themselves in a, in a situation similar to that. And my, my best tips for that is to like, just have fun with it. You know, like they'll, like they will let you in to their world as they feel comfortable with you. And the way that I've kind of learned that, you know, you, you do that is, you know, just continually showing up. Like for me, it wasn't about trying to like emotionally pry them open with a crowbar and like figuring out what they're thinking or feeling all the time. It was just, you know, show up, have, you know, a genuine interest in who they are and what they're doing or whatever. And you go, keep asking questions. And that, you know, I, I do that with my own kid all the time as well. Yeah. Just curiosity. And I think yeah. that's, uh, I, I lost that for a long time before realizing like, oh yeah, I just got to like be curious and creative and just ask what I don't understand. And I think a lot of guys have a hard time with that rather than just like fix or assume that I know everything, like just learn, man, <laughs> get into that like beginner's uh, mindset and just ask the questions. And what about um, with your daughter now? I know we've got sort of limited time left. So I want to talk about how you are connecting with her as um, I guess like a single dad when you don't have her all the time. What kind of things do you do to ensure that you're maintaining that connection without the physical uh, ability to be there all the time? Um, well, you know, one of the things that I think it's super important for me to do is give myself the ability to be present with her when she is here. So no work, no distractions, stay off the phone. Don't, you know, don't go hang out with my friends when she's around, like, do do the things that she likes to do, the things that she has fun doing. She's getting to the age, she's going to be eight soon. She's getting to the age where her schedule and, you know, the things that she wants to do with her friends is going to start taking priority. So, you know, just kind of go and go and do those things with her. She just signed up for cheerleading. So we're, you know, we're going to practice and going to, you know, sports games and stuff so she can cheer. And, and that's been fun. One of the other things I do is, is try and video chat once, once a week. She's, you know, little, little kids can be distractible and they're, you know, they're not always the easiest to, to keep focused on the phone. You know, she'll be running around with the phone in her hand and, and, you know, just kind of carrying on her life and not necessarily having a conversation with the person on the other end of the phone. So that can be a challenge at times. And that's, you know, something you just kind of, it gets easier gotten a lot easier as she's gotten older one of the other things i do and i've been doing for years is she has this little stuffed dinosaur that we we got for her um when she was really little 
And I, whenever I go on trips or whatever, I take dinosaur with me. So, you know, dinosaur has been to, you know, Singapore and Thailand and Abu Dhabi and Mexico city and Miami. And I, I set dinosaur up doing stuff with me and take some pictures of him, you know, of dinosaur at the beach or, you know, dinosaur driving in the car. And so whenever I go alone, I take him with me and that's like a way for me to connect to her. And then we look at the pictures of dinosaur doing whatever the next time I see her. And then when her and I go somewhere together, we bring dinosaur as well. And we can, you know, create memories both together and separate with, you know, this dorky little stuffed blue dinosaur. (laughs) That's precious, man. I love that. What, um, what are you working on these days? Like, but like, what's real for you right now? Have you got things that you're working on? Anything like books you're reading? Um, what is working for you right now? Um, I've been doing a lot of reading lately. Just finished Dopamine Nation, which uh, was a fantastic book. If you've never read it, they, especially at the end, they kind of talk about a lot about shame. I thought that was really good. Been doing, been working on some of the master classes. I don't know if you've heard about those, but those are those are kind of fun. I found that it's best to go into those with an open mind in an area that you know absolutely nothing about. Um, so I did one with Alicia Keys on songwriting. I don't know how to write songs. I don't have any musical talent like whatsoever. So everything in there was new to me and fascinating. Other, let's see, I've had, I'm trying to think of what other good, like good books that I've been reading. A lot of Mark Manson stuff. Everything is fucked. Uh, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And then... There's another one that he's written recently. Um, those were all fantastic. Like anyone wanting to kind of get started in, you know, becoming a better human and a better man. Like my my best advice is to just like sit down with a pen and a journal. And if you want to, if you want to add some commitment and intention to it, go buy like a, a nice moleskin notebook and a and a fountain pen or whatever. You know, put a little money into it. Block off some time. I do it in the morning. Some people prefer in the evening, but, you know, just start writing about what you're grateful for, write about, you know, how your day went, how you're feeling. And then if you're, if you found yourself in a situation that day where you acted in a way that you may not be proud of or wish you could take back, like, I call it the game of 15 or 20 whys. And it's just like, okay, what happens? Why did that happen? What, why did that happen? Keep asking yourself that question until like until you get to the answer and once you have the answer you can kick around with it a little bit think through it and you know hopefully not repeat the same mistake the next time something similar comes up mm, yeah i love that just asking why it repeatedly until you get to the base level where you can't ask why anymore right. and you just go like oh no gut punch yeah. <laughs> that's one of my favorites as yeah. well Okay, man. Well, where, I don't know if you want to drop a, like a link where people can find you or what you're up to, but I would love if you're open to it to, uh, yeah, just let people know what you're about and, um, where they can connect. Yeah. The, I mean, the best way to connect with me is uh, probably on Instagram. That being said, I do take six weeks off of all social media at the beginning of the year. So sometime in mid February, I'll be back on Instagram, but it's just through with Jay and Instagram. That's probably the best place to connect. If you have any questions, you know, shoot me a DM, whatever, and be happy to chat. Sweet. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes at dad.work slash podcast. And Jeff, man, this is so good. I was no, I had no idea what to expect because I mean, this is not like your day-to-day thing. And 
I'm just so grateful because like you touched on all the right things that I love and like new perspectives and great tips. So thank you. And um, man, I'm just grateful. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world. To find out more about everything that we talked about in the episode today, including show notes, resources, and links to subscribe, leave a review, work with us, go to dad.work slash pod. That's D-A-D dot W-O-R-K slash P-O-D. Type that into your browser, just like a normal URL, dad.work slash pod. You'll find everything there you need to become a better man, a better partner, and a better father. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.